Welcome to Neutral Exposure, a space for reflection and inspiration with photographers across a range of disciplines. My name's Al Simmons. My old man used to take pictures, uh, you know, when we when we used to go travelling in the car. So he always had this um, sort of thirty-five mil. SLR that he that he had with him and like he wasn't a great photographer but I guess it was just one of those things that people used to do when um you know back in the day so it always came with us it was a Voigtlander um and he always used to take it uh traveling wherever we wherever we went so I guess after a while I was like oh dad you know can I can I have a go and initially he was like oh no it's you can't don't touch it don't touch it but um you know, as, as I got a little bit older, like, you know, th- I guess 13 or 14, maybe maybe even a bit younger, um, you know, he, he was a bit more, oh, you know, have, take some pictures. And I didn't really know what I was doing. It was just sort of copying what, what he did. Um, but eventually, you know, got the film back, you know, weeks later, and he was like, oh, these these look cool. These, these look good. And I think that's where I got my sort of interest in, in photography from. Mm. Um, so... I guess after a while, I sort of enjoyed it more, and then you know got some pocket money and bought like a little Ricoh thirty-five mil camera and started using that, and eventually sort of moved up. Uh, I think I got my proper my first proper camera was an Olympus OM4, which I kind of bought it and didn't realize it, but like two out of every three were were kind of duds because they had problematic motherboards. Um, so I bought it and then used that for about three months before it uh, broke. I moved on to a Nikon system after that, uh, and then set up set up a dark room in my parents' laundry. So it was just like a tiny laundry, like one by maybe one by two and a half meter space, maybe one and a half meter. Um, and just yeah, just had just had a little dark room, thirty five mil setup with an enlarger and some trays, and used to just print and process black and white film and print black and white. Um, pictures oh, from there. Did you learn all that process from your dad as well? No, no. He he kind of just took he just took pictures. So um, I kind of learned all that black and white stuff myself. Mm. Just going back and reading, like I think magazines like Popular Photography. There was a great one used to called Camera in Darkroom, an American mag, and I don't think that's around anymore. But yeah, just just going to the library and um, as I got sort of more in teenage years. Um, you know, going to the newsagent and buying magazines and, and just sort of following following there because we didn't really have internet back then. Um, so there was, you know, there wasn't all this plethora of information that we that we have now. So it was a little bit harder to do. But, I mean, when you – there used to be a shop called um, Van Bar, which was around the corner from my high school, and that, that was like a, you know, like a photographic supplier. And you go in there and they used to have, like, Ilford brochures and all this technical data that you could – get to you know look up the, the processing like how to process fp4 or hp5 and um development ratios between was it like i used to use a plus developer and they used to have like different ratios depending on how you want your film to look or what you know whether you want a bit more contrast and all that kind of stuff so um it was yeah it was really good fun tinkering um uh, in that way nice and what what's that what's that stuff for you shooting um just anything really uh you know photograph you know just go in the backyard and shoot my my brother sometimes Mm. um go out and shoot some birds like basically just copying 
what I would see in magazines, like what I thought was interesting. But, you know, there was never really anything um, specific that I shot. I was more just, I guess, just playing around. And, you know, I, th I think the magic was actually taking a photo because you, you, you couldn't see anything instantaneously like you can now. And then coming back, you know, after you process the film and printed like a contact sheet, and then you sort of start looking through and you go, oh, I remember that shot. You know, that looks cool. But it was always a bit of a surprise to what you actually get, I think, on, on film. And, that, you know, that was, that was nice. Or, you know, you didn't know any better back then. Sure. So, so how, did, how did that then transition from experimenting in the dark room, taking snaps to, to, to pursuing it as a, as a profession? Um, so I started in, in art, uh, I started doing photography in high school. Um, so I did, did it for my like studio arts projects and then sort of decided that I wanted to do photography. And back then I only thought photography was about like commercial photography was shooting weddings or shooting catalogs. Um, I didn't really know that there was, you know, a myriad of different types of photography that you could do. So I, Finished high school and then started, I did two years of applied photography um, at a college in Melbourne and then started assisting a still life photographer. And he, he was kind of like an old English guy um, who was quite well known and it was a real taskmaster. Um, so I assisted him for a year before he retired um, and then sort of did various assisting jobs with all sorts of different people, um, architecture commercial and, and in Melbourne people don't really specialize that much people are you kind of have to be a little bit general in, in the type of photography you do so you know you're a bit of a jack of all trades so I guess yeah that's that's how I kind of got started um, you know just studying and then and straight into assisting and I assisted for quite a long time as well so I think I started in I finished college in 1997 and then uh assisted till you know all the way up to when i moved to london in 2004 and then still still assisted then till about i guess 2009 maybe 2010 yeah so it was a, a long long road and it's yeah it was been a really interesting journey um mm -hmm. you know a lot of, lot of different different jobs and different experiences so yeah how, how useful was the course that you did i think uh in terms of what i do now or how i see commercial photography now it probably wasn't that relevant um i think we learned sort of the basics and, and photography has obviously changed a lot since then because back then we were still uh we just started working on computers and retouching like we would have to go down to the graphic arts lab and borrow their computers to do any sort of photoshop work and that was back then i think they were still running on system nine um, so it wasn't even OSX uh, back then. So we learned all the basics. We learned a lot of, there was kind of, uh, it was applied commercial photography was, was a subject, I think, or applied photography. Uh, then there was like a sciencey kind of, um, part of, part of it. There was some theory. And I guess, you know, you, you learn the basics about, um, you know, as you would like the, the masters and the history of photography, people who, a kind of I guess inspirational um, photographers but I think in my course it was if if they had focused more about the business of photography it might have been better yeah um but you know I I enjoyed what what, what we learned there 
mm. um, and you know made some good friends there. So mm. yeah, and was was it was it tutors there who put you in touch with the the photographers who you went on to assist, or, or was that just a case of um, no? Well, no, it's more yeah, more sort of hustling. Like after I finished the course, um, you know, at, at the lab and around all the suppliers, there'd be like ads going up um, for for jobs, and it just so happened that. Um, uh, this this job had come up for for an assistant because his his current assistant was um, leaving, uh, so I went to go and see uh, this photographer. His name was um, John Street, so I went to go and see him, and you know took took along my portfolio, and it was a pretty crappy portfolio back then, I suppose. Um, and he pretty much ripped it apart, which was uh, pretty depressing at the time because you know you kind of put all this effort into to making something that you think is nice. And um, just gets torn apart pretty quickly by anyone in, in the industry. Um, and he was—he was like a harsh guy, anyway. Well seasoned. Um, yeah, exactly. Well seasoned. And he kind of nicked off, and I was talking to his assistant at the time, and he was like, "Look, do you really want this job? Because I, I think he really wanted out of, of of that job." But he, it was up to him to find the the new assistant. Okay. And he's like, look, if, if you really want the job, I'll put in good word for you and you know, I'll, I'll tell you what to do and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I was, I was really lucky enough to, to, get, to get that gig. Um, so I worked with him for a year before he, he retired and kind of packed up his studio. And you can imagine like old school photographers who had a massive studio, loads of lights and cameras and flats and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was, it was no sort of small task packing all that up and sticking into his, his house um, after that. Did you, did, uh, did you get a chance to, to take any of the, the kit if he was retiring? No, um, no, not, no, not at all, really. I, th- I, th- um, I, thought that was, I thought that was going to be like, yeah, it was really well-timed uh, assisting this guy who was just about to retire and actually then, you know, he kitted me out with my first studio or whatever. No, uh, no, it was really unfortunate, actually. I, he, no, he, he, he hung on to everything. Um, he mostly shot on a Sinar uh, P2, um, the majority of the stuff we would do for jobs would be either on 5.4 or on a, on a roll film back. And then occasionally we'd shoot stuff on 5.7, at mm-hmm. 5.7 change back for, for the signer. Um, 8.10 occasionally. And then sometimes he'd whip out this, um, there's an 11.14 back that he had adapted to, to the signer. So back then you could still get um, sheets of 11 by 14. Um, not not very often. It was I think he had to import it from America, but like he'd, he'd have a couple of boxes of like EPP um, in in the fridge. And so some jobs which I guess had the budget, he'd he'd pull that out and and that was his um I guess his unique selling selling point where you know no one else could could shoot on this format of uh, of camera. So that mm-hmm. you know. That was that was pretty interesting, but um, no, I didn't I didn't get a chance to um claim to any, any the of his yeah. No, yeah. no, which was sad. Like I know I know like back in the day when he was owing owing assistance money, occasionally some gear would go missing from from his kit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wasn't no. That, by by the time I started assisting, he, he had his act together, so I didn't didn't um didn't really score any any of the goodies. So then, what what um what transitioned you to taking on your own own clients? Yeah, it took took quite a while for me actually. Um, I think I I was never really that confident going in to shoot, I guess. So, and I really, the, I guess the thing for me was I, I actually quite enjoyed assisting and enjoyed, you know, being a fly on the wall 
in different people's lives and just going on on these all these different shoots like one day you'd be shooting corporate portraits the next day you know you're, you're shooting in the studio and you might be shooting some celebrity um and then the next day you'd, you'd be shooting some architecture or um i remember one of my first traveling jobs my i was like to the northern territory shooting the army and already that was like you know that was fascinating um and then the photographer was like oh do you do you have a passport and i was like oh no not yet it's like oh you should get one because you, you never know when when you're going to travel I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And um, so, you know, I ended up getting my passport. And like weeks later, I get a call from this photographer saying, oh, look, I've got this job in, in China shooting a hotel. Are you free? And I was like, I, I couldn't believe people actually traveled for work. You know, it was just such such a foreign idea. Um, so that, that was really amazing. And, and I guess having experiences like that really kind of, it, it really didn't push me to shoot uh, you know, I obviously enjoyed shooting, but it, it didn't push me to shoot um, commercially myself uh, for quite a while. Um, it sounds like you've got quite a strong technical head as well. So I guess that was pretty well suited to Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I guess because um, I always like the technical aspects of um, of photography and, you know, I, I enjoyed that a lot. So, um, you know, a lot of photographers that I work with, you know, didn't maybe they didn't care about that so much. And especially when when digital first started to, I guess, get popular, uh, that was probably back in, I guess, two thousand and two, maybe two thousand, yeah, two thousand two thousand three. Even though we didn't really do that much of it at school, I kind of, you know, I really enjoyed that aspect of it, and and I guess kind of learnt about it a little bit more than, because um, I guess a lot of photographers were stuck in, um, you know, shooting film back then. So I was I was very it was quite a slow transition um, for people to move from film to digital. And especially when you know, digital cameras at the start were pretty crappy. Um, I, I remember one job where the guy I was working with, he was like, he was way early into, into digital cameras and he had bought this three megapixel. It was like a Kodak chip on a built on a Nikon body um, and a shot to, I think you shot to a PCM CIA card and it was like, you had to, we were shooting a, a telephone exchange machine and the, the the file was three megapixels i remember that and the the, the chip was so small he had to shoot on like a fisheye like a an, a, an eight millimeter fisheye or 11 millimeter fisheye or something ridiculous like that so yeah that was yeah that was that was a long time ago things have moved on but yeah i, I did like the, the technical aspect of, of photography so yeah and it was also you know, interesting to see different photographers' perspectives on how they worked, uh, and then use that to adapt to my own kind of um, style and and, and style, work, yeah. work methods. Yeah. And looking back, do you see that there are any particularly important lessons that you took from those those photographers that have, that have really stayed with you? Um, yeah, I mean, every every photographer's like been like I guess people that I assisted for a, any sort of extended period of time had a had a really big influence on me. Um, and but you know they they always came from different backgrounds and and shot different things so like you know the, the guy I first worked with he was a still lifer and so you know he was really technical with his lighting very very specific you know lens choices the way he set up his cameras uh, it was very very disciplined so you know there, there was that and you know the, the guy I worked with on architectural projects um, you know he kind of taught me how to to look at 
buildings and see, and you can you can um, look at look at buildings and and you know make a lens selection, and you'd, you'd always walk around and and see where where to stand. And at the start, I was always like, "What's what's he doing? Like, why is he walking around? Like, just put the camera down and take a picture." And then after a while, you start to realize that as as you move around, you know, ob object in front of the building moves and and changes and you know, it, it clears a it clears a, a view to to what you're shooting. So I guess yeah, that was more about sort of looking and seeing and and um, positioning yourself. And then you know, other photographers have, have great kind of um, relationships with their clients, and I think that's really one of the really important things. It's almost, in some respects, like it doesn't really matter how good your photography is. Mm. Um, and if, I think I think photography is really a relationship um, business and if you can have a good relationship with your business people will come back and, and shoot with you um, and of, of course like everyone wants to be the best photographer that they can be but if you can achieve like if you're if you're a photographer that can achieve you know 85 percent of what's required and you're having a really nice time with the client and the client's having a good time then you're going to get that call back as opposed to the guy that's that's you know giving 95 percent and being an asshole to their client so I feel like that's really important. Um, you know, I guess you know, I, I guess it's a mix between the two. But uh, if it was up to me, it'd be weighted more towards um, you know having having a good relationship with clients. Sure. And and when when you were pretty heavy or spending most of your time assisting people, did you have much chance to shoot your own stuff as well? You know, was that kind of uh, happening gradually alongside? Yeah, I, I think in the beginning, um, you know, I never really felt that comfortable and. I was more when we went on location and there was like a bit of downtime where you could go and visit, you know, the, the local sites where you go and start taking pictures. Um, it was more when we were shooting on location. I think uh, traveling around, you know, airports and planes and stuff, it always offered um, really interesting views, you know, stuff that you would never see back home, I guess. And, and at, at that time, you know, we were doing a lot of, a lot of traveling um, I was working with a car photographer at the time, um, so we were doing a lot of travelling through Europe and the States, a little bit, little bit through Asia. Um, so it was always, yeah, it was fascinating to be able to um, to see different parts of the world and and shooting shooting that shooting landscapes whilst we were we were travelling was, was great. Cool. It seems, I mean, as someone who's kind of gone on to you know, shoot still life and, and and cars and design, you know, was this was it kind of the people that you were assisting gradually kind of shaping your the direction you were going in as well. You know, what was it that attracted um, you to that 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 type of work? Yeah, certainly um would be quite influenced by the people that you're working for at any one time. But I, I think when you're a bit younger and you don't really you haven't really found your voice, um, you always tend to gravitate towards shooting in in the style that um the person that you're working for um photographs stuff. So, yeah, I guess you would just, you know, sort of slowly shoot this similar in a similar style to them, but gradually you kind of, you know, as you move away from there or you start working with, with different people, you start, you know, photographing things or seeing things in, in different ways. Mm. Um, so then, yeah, you sort of develop your own style after that. Mm. And of, of course, you, you never want to sort of copy the, the people that you work for uh, or work with. Um, so that that's always sort of plays in the back of your mind as well. But um, no, I guess just as you take more pictures, you kind of start developing your own style and 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 
you realize things that you like or dislike about about your work. Sure. And then I suppose jumping forward a little bit, what 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 then brought you to London? You know, what 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 was that transition uh, like from, from working in Australia to working in London? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I used to work for this photographer who was here. He he worked in London. This was so. This was back in Melbourne, and he had worked in London for I think nine years or so. Uh, he moved back to Melbourne, and I was working with him, and he he was always like pushing me to to go like because oh, you if you want to you know do real photography you have to move to London so I guess that was my motivation you know to, to travel so I moved over in 2004 with my girlfriend at the time and then kind of just prior to I guess traveling um just started looking for photographers that whose work I like the look of and you know when I moved over I went to see them um and tried to get get some work uh, and that you know it was a tough couple of months moving over, um, but gradually, you know, started started assisting guys um, in in London, and, and and that time was a really transitional time for photography as well because people were starting to shoot more and more digital. I think sort of two thousand and five, maybe two thousand six. I, I think maybe Phase had started. Well, Phase already had their digital backs, but I think they started. They had a P. No, they had an H twenty five, maybe P twenty five. So that was like, I guess, the most portable package, which had a screen, which really quality was of, starting to rival film. And... Yeah, and and people were, I guess, starting to sort of spend, you know, spend the, that much amount. Uh, I guess, I mean, digital backs back then were, I don't know, twenty grand, I guess, which was a lot of money back then. Um, and I think it was that time where people started to, to really take an interest in, in digital photography. It really, I think it gained, yeah, popularity at, at that time. Um, and you said there was a tough couple of months. You know, what was that other than finding, you know, photographers to assist? Uh, you know, what what challenges were there in 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 that building of new networks, new opportunities? You know, how long did it take you to kind of find your feet in London? And, yeah, I suppose be able to make make a make a living to to build on that. Yeah, I guess um, I guess it took probably took three to six months to start working, and then obviously after that, you kind of start looking for, you know. And obviously, you're, you're traveling around Europe at the same time because that's what every, everyone does when, when we move over to London. <clears throat> and it's just, I guess, just trying to build up your contacts and, you know, discovering, like, you know, you had all your suppliers back home. And, and after you move to London, you kind of have to find new suppliers, new labs. So I was just kind of, yeah, discovering what was what was around. And, and London, during that time, there were, there were loads of labs around sort of, I, I lived in sort of Angel and Old Street area at the time, and there was I couldn't believe how many labs there were, and labs are open twenty four hours. So yeah, it was, it was really sort of amazing time. And I I know like the nineties and, and before were even were even busier times mm-hmm. as well. But you know compared to the amount of labs that you see now, it's um it's changed a lot. And was there any were there any particularly big breaks or kind of significant points along that road where you kind of started to see your own personal career really coming on? Yeah, um, I guess uh, I was out. Oh, I used to work with a photographer and he would handball me small jobs that he couldn't do or didn't want to do. Um, so I started shooting some editorial uh, then. And then I guess one main break was I was out having drinks with with a photographer friend and a, and a designer from Wired magazine. Mm-hmm. And my photographer friend was like, "Oh, you should, um, you should try some." And I guess that was when I started shooting a bit more. Um, so yeah, that, I guess that was a foray into 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 shooting on a regular basis. That was 
sort of editorial with Wired magazine. Uh, and then, and then, you know, that sort of started off, got the ball rolling, I guess, shooting other, other sorts of editorial. And it was all kind of still life. Cause I think at the time I decided that, um, you know, still life's one of these things where you don't need to depend on other people. Um, you can have a small setup and, and, sh- and shoot what you wanted to. I, I knew at the time I didn't want to do fashion, I guess. That was, that was the main thing. Mm. Um, and then cars as well was hard because obviously you need cars and you need big studio people. space. And- yeah. Studio space. Or if you're going on location, you need to travel and all that kind of stuff. And England wasn't really suited to much car photography, like outdoor location car photography. So I think, you know, shooting still life was like a easy way in. Yeah. Cool. And, um, there's a certain technicality to still life where, yes, you know, obviously yeah. there, there's a lot of, you know, careful control with lighting and things like that. But what, what really kind of, um, makes an interesting project. In terms yeah. Of I guess, art. um, I mean, a good example is, um, when I started shooting some stuff for Nike, um, I had a friend who was a designer there and he, they had this project on and they said that was, that was being shot by like a pack shot, um, factory type of, type of company. And he was like, look, we're not happy with these results. Do you want to, do you want to try? And I was like, yeah, this is, this would be fantastic. It would be brilliant. And they said, oh, look, we've got, um, I was crazy. I was like six pairs of shoes, four angles of each. And at the time I was so naive. I was like, oh yeah, I, I reckon I can do that in a day. Like how hard can shoe photography be? Like just chuck a pair of shoes down it'll be fine. Yeah. And I remember it, it took me like three days to shoot. It was so, it was so difficult to like get the same angle for each different pair of shoes mm. to line up, to line up in camera. Um, cause uh, they all had what, to sort what, of match. What, what camera were you working with at this point? Uh, at that time I was shooting on a Hasselblad 503 CX mm-hmm. with a, I think, I think, I think we had a P45 by then. Okay. So it was digital, but you had, you know, it was, it, it wasn't able to kind of pre-visualize what you were shooting as well. No, yeah. So, um, yeah, there was no live view because we were on, I wonder if we were on, I can't remember whether, whether we were still on 3.7.9 on, of Capture One or whether we'd already transitioned into like version six or seven. Um, but yeah, we were, we were on a P45. Um, and it, it took me, it took me three days shooting from like 8 a.m. and some nights was like 3 a.m. finish. You know, there were nights, there was, there was a night that I was going to sleep at the studio. Um, and I was so uncomfortable just like trying to sleep on some poly boards. Um, I, I decided to like go home and then come back the next morning in like three hours time. So that was, that was a real sort of learning curve. Um, and then sort of subsequent shoots with, with, uh, with Nike sort of, they had sort of different projects and, and more involved projects. And all the stuff that I was doing was originally was kind of, um, for their social. And one, one project that really kind of sticks in my mind was, um, for, uh, Kanye West, uh, Yeezys. They were called the, uh, nicknamed the Red Octobers. And we had to be so specific with the lighting because the designer was like, Oh, look, a lot of people are going to see this shoe. So we had to pick out like every little bit of detail. And, and the, sh- and these shoes already had like, they all had different surfaces and, and different textures. So it was really important for them to sort of bring all these these out, and you know it wasn't as as easy as like just sticking a light up, because some of the different textures and and um, uh, fabrics had to be uh, lit from slightly different angles in order to bring it out. So there was a, a lot of work involved in in shooting 
that pair of shoes and really kind of gave me a real insight into how important it was to to, to light things well and and um but also to to make it look natural as well because it's quite easy to have lights coming from all sorts of different directions mm. uh, you know uh, and when you when you bolt it all together in, in post it's um it never looks quite right mm. so that there's yeah that there's um there's definitely a conversation about like lighting things in in a, in a way where it, it makes sense yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and that first Nike shoot that you described, was that completely on your own or were you working with, with stylists or assistants at that point? Um I well we had a we had a a model maker actually build the in like an insert into the shoe. And then yeah, I'd, I had a had an assistant. Actually I don't even think I'm not I can't remember. I can't remember whether I had an assistant. They they certainly didn't stay till three three AM. I think I was naive enough back then that I thought I could just smash it out and get it done. Yeah. But um yeah, subsequently, yeah, after that it was yeah, made much more sense to either get a stylist involved or and get assistance involved as well. Yeah. Because I think, you know, there's your 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 current work seems to have quite strong collaborations with 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 stylists or or or, or, uh, or designers. So um how valuable have you learned that that, co- that collaboration process is? Yeah, absolutely. Um I think you always you're always able to different people will bring different things to to your to your project and because you've got you know different creative minds and everyone's got like a, a different visual image of how they or visual idea of how they see the, the picture coming together so it's always um it's really good having a collaborative effort i think i think when you shoot a lot on your own it can be a little bit it can stagnate a little bit after a while mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah and um, and how how do you balance the the commercial side of things with with personal projects as well? How, how important is the personal work for you? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I always struggle to shoot personal work, and I know it's it is really really important to do. Um, I don't. I definitely don't do enough of it. Um, I think nowadays, like a lot of your commercial projects, are um, they're, they're they're a little bit. Fixed. They're a little bit more fixed and and harder to be cr- uh, very creative with them, or at least at least my projects that I work on are. You know, at the at the end of the, end of the day, you you've got a client um, who you know you, you're trying to keep happy, and sometimes what's what's in your mind, what you would think you would do creatively, doesn't always sit with with them. I think it depends on the commercial project because obviously some commercial projects are um you know set up for you know that the client might see someone or the agency might see some work in your portfolio that they really like and they'll they'll gravitate towards that and, and let you do your thing. But um there's other stuff which comes in and you know, he, here's the it's a very specific brief and so you kind of just you're you know, you set it up according to to how they want it. Whereas, you know, if you're able to do more of your own creative um, projects, you know, you, you can be you can be your own boss, you and and make the picture exactly how you want it, and no one's going to come back and sort of go, oh, I don't I don't like this or I don't like that. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's really important to maintain some level of uh, personal work and creativity. Mm. And is is that personal stuff all, all generally still life as well, or is there kind of other stuff that? Yeah, at, at, to... at the, yeah, at, at the moment it's um it's mostly. Um, still life based or, or food based mm-hmm. um but yeah it would be nice to um get back out in the field a little bit um it's a little bit harder at the moment because 
like we've got I've got a young son and kind of I feel like I want to be home at a, at a reasonable hour to put him to bed and to, to mm. bathe him and stuff. So so at the moment that's kind of more still life based, but um, you know late later on um, it'd be it'd be great to venture out and, and do other things as well. Yeah, yeah. It, in in an ideal world, or, or you know when it gets to that stage, is there anything kind of cooking underneath that you are kind of aware that you'd like to explore? Um, not not really at at this point. I, I guess it just comes down to you know, as you as you shoot more personal stuff and start to figure out like. You know, cool ways of photographing things, and you know, I, I guess that develops ideas and uh, develops into other projects uh, on on the back of that. So I've got nothing specific in mind at the moment, but um, you know, I'm always on the lookout for for new and interesting things. Sure. And um, in looking at the, at the at the equipment side of things, you know, when you kind of talked about the transition from from film to digital and um, when you fully adopted digital, was it always medium format? Did you touch on the smaller format stuff at all? Uh, no, so I started, first digital camera kind of I used professionally was probably a 5D Mark II. Mm-hmm. And then prior to that, I had like little point and shoot digital compact cameras. Um, but yeah, the 5D Mark II was, I guess, um, a real turning point. And, you know, because I had a full frame chip, uh, I, I had a Canon system prior to that. I had a EOS three, so it was like a logical um, step because I could use the same lenses. So yeah, had a had a Mark two, and then and then moved to a Mark three, and then I had I had a Hasselblad at the time as well. Uh, and it wasn't until later that I I got a, a P forty five plus back. So then yeah, so I had side by side had a Canon system and, and a Hasselblad system for for medium format. Mm-hmm. What was it about medium format that suited the stuff that you were doing? You know, was it all all in the the image quality itself, or was there something in the process that was well suited to to your style um, of working? Yeah, I guess it um, you know allows you to slow your photography down a little bit. But I mean, with still life, I guess it's you know the camera is usually set up on a on a tripod or camera stand. So in that in that respect, you're not always like a shutter monkey pressing pressing the mm-hmm. shutter button all the time. I guess it's more had more to do with resolution, I suppose, and you know the lens quality. I thought was quite good in in Hasselblad lenses, and this this yeah this was obviously on a on a V mount system, which probably the lenses date back to the eighties, I guess, eighties um, and nineties. So I still really enjoyed like the the look that I was getting from from that system. But yeah, to to be honest, it really I I guess it depended on the shoot that I was doing. So. You know, if if it was like an editorial where I didn't want to spend that much time with it, I'd shoot that on thirty-five mil. Um, but most um, most sort of advertising projects, I'd I'd shoot on uh, medium format for sure. Yeah, and I guess was this kind of prior to you know a lot of output just going online. How much of your yeah. stuff is is going to print, and how much you know is kind of more and more just ending up ending up. Yeah, I suppose. Um, yeah, I guess you know if, if we're talking about five years ago. The majority of the stuff was still maybe maybe a bit more time actually, but um, the majority of the stuff was still going to print uh, magazine ads, things like that. But even, even nowadays, like even even though things are really only going to appear on social media, um, sometimes it's it's nicer to shoot on medium format because it's you know there's more pixels and there's a, more information that you can um, that you can retouch with and, and push those pixels around. 
so yeah it, it is nice it really depends on on, on the project you know it's a, i guess it's a, it's a toolbox there's no i don't feel that there's always one right camera for all photography it's um it really is sort of depends on what you're shooting sure and um at what stage did you go down the route of opening up your own studio and then from there how much freedom you feel it offers you to have your own creative space that you can you know is yours and you can yeah you know, watch um, of what you can create yeah yeah that's a good question um i think when i started getting more work we i moved into like um like a charity studio space which was like the pretty cheap rent i moved in with a couple of photographers and you know as as we shot more and more i actually had this opportunity with um the photographer i share the studios now with um to to buy a space so we were really fortunate uh at that time the price of the space wasn't too expensive but we had to fit it out it was actually you know really just concrete and rubble in there so we had to do a complete fit out which was quite expensive so having your own spaces was is fantastic but you know sometimes you do find it quite limiting because it's a small studio so it's fine for for some projects and then you know sometimes you want to want a bigger space to work in so then you kind of have to sort of think about the logistics of it and because you're always because your gear is there you always want to shoot in that space yeah whereas i think if you're renting spaces you'd, you'd always you'd be free of that and you just go oh look i'm i need a, a 1200 foot space i'll go and rent that studio or no, I, I just need like a little tabletop setup, so I'll just go to that studio. So you're not really confined to any space, and because you're always going to have to take your gear with you or, or rent your gear. Mm. Whereas sometimes I find, um, you know, having all my gear there, I'm a bit lazy and I just want to. Okay, you know, that's interesting. So it kind of goes both ways. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's great having your own space and somewhere to 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 work and and be away from the home. And then, um, you know, when you're done for the day, you can you can go back home and not not think about it. But yeah, certainly at the same time, not being tied to any space gives you a bit of freedom as well. Mm. And in terms of um, the style that you've created for yourself, how do you see that personally? You know, how would you describe your style kind of across the across the projects that you shoot? Um, I guess the if I guess it's kind of uh, I would say like graphic and minimalist. I guess, um, and I I think it probably stems from a little bit in the style that I was. I mean, I was shooting that kind of style already before I got uh, got on board with Wired, but they sort of shot a lot in that kind of style um, and GQ magazine as well. Mm. So I tended to like uh, using sort of hard lights because that that hard light often, you know, you could see a lot of detail in, in, in your in your products. Yeah, I guess that that's kind of how I started stylistically. But um, you know, that that kind of lighting doesn't work with all subjects, so you kind of have to adapt and um you know, you, when you look at a, pro a product you know you, you can sort of see the surfaces and and you know whether you're using a reflected light or or, or a hard light to bring out the um the material of, of of the product yeah you i guess you you just have to look at it and and see what's what's the best tool to use mm. do you see that that kind of reflects you as a person how you see the world as well it's yeah i mean i think i think uh if I went back to when I was assisting that um, architectural photographer, you know, I really loved how you know, every everything he shot was like straight lines and square. You know, I was always you know when I when I looked at buildings or people photographing buildings, I'd always like go to 
and line them up and, and see how how square they were to like yeah. to the edge of page or i think i guess that's how i started looking at at the products that i was shooting and you know try you know trying to get them graphic as possible and and finding angles which showed a lot of detail and and maintain those straight lines and i guess when i when i look at things i'm always walking around trying to find like the center point or trying to find where where it's where a scene is nicely balanced um so i guess i guess i i don't consciously do it in day-to-day -day life but i think when i'm walking around like if i'm traveling and and looking at things i, I do so it, it always comes back to me and always kind of look at look at things um in that sort of graphical sense as someone who is producing a lot of work for advertising and uh and, you know whether it's print or online you know it's you're producing stuff that has kind of quite a strong final output and um you know does that give you quite a satisfaction in knowing that the work is gonna really has a purpose and when it comes to balancing that with personal work as well you know does that does that differ in, in it maybe not having the same yeah I, th I think um end, end game yeah um i think there's two two different things i think it's so much fun seeing your first billboard um or you know seeing your first um ad in the in a in a published magazine or in, in the newspaper i think you get a really a real kick out of that and I, I think that was when my parents started to understand what it was that i did as a photographer uh because I, I think prior to that like you you know you tell them that oh you know you take i've seen photographs of this and that but then you know if they're driving down the road and you go you point something out to them like, oh that's my that's my photograph then it was kind of easier for them to understand so i think that's always like an interesting part of um of your you know of, of seeing of seeing seeing your work published you know whether that's editorial or commercially mm -hmm. um but i mean your personal work you know obviously you can also publish that and um show it in a gallery space as well and i, I think that's equally as um as uh as good as well um in, in mm -hmm. a different in a different sense i sense you know it's quite a boost to the ego and it, no, it's, sure. i think when we see you know i guess we regularly see pictures on mostly on our screens you know these days you, you don't really see that much imagery being printed um especially well you know especially my own work yeah so i think you know it's, it's nice when you can find something that you know you really like and you know you, you do a print of it and it's not it's also nice when you know I've, I've had friends or random people email me saying oh look i really like that photo of you know a, a stack of fruit you know can i have a print and that's mm. That's really that's really lovely to to know that someone you know would would hang that on on their wall. Have you have you, have you ever gone down the route of exhibiting you know in a more not necessarily a fine art context, but you know taking it into a gallery space? No, no. Unfortunately, um, no. Most of my work has been sort of commercial commercially driven, but it's yeah, it's definitely something like in the future that would be nice to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose just to just to round off, you know, is there any? outside of photography or as or as part of your your process of photography you know what what keeps you motivated you know do you are you, are you someone who has quite like strong routine to keep creatively motivated or you know or is there is there anything else outside of photography that you know is is important to to your process um just uh i think being able to sort of look at very different visual imagery um I, it's really i think for a while i was getting stuck on you know looking at social media Mm -hmm. but you know trying to move away from that uh is really important 
you know, going to see art, going to see music. Uh, I think anything that sort of is visually interesting is is always like a motivation uh, for me. You know, other other people's work that you like is always, you know, you, you always think, oh, that that picture's so cool. You know, mm. I wish, you know, I had shot that. So it, it, that can often motivate me to um to try something as well. Mm. Um, but I, I think, you know, it's just generating these ideas, and uh, it's a lot easier when you can draw inspiration from um from other sort of visual imagery. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess you, you're, you're looking at your work, you know, it seems like there's <clears throat> an amazing opportunity to be quite inspired by a huge range of design and uh, and different areas. Yeah, it's, um, it's, I guess it's quite fortunate. Like, I guess you never know where your clients come from. Like, clients move around a lot. You know, they might be working on food at, at one stage and then in their next career, they're, they're working for a different company, but they'll still like working with you. So, you know, you, you have that access there. It's It's nice being able to shoot a variety of projects in your style um, if you can get away with it mm. it's it's yeah it's always, it's always um nice not to be shooting the same thing all, all the time yeah mm. absolutely cool yeah that's cool well son i really appreciate you taking the time man i will leave you to um to get back to family life but, uh, thanks very much for having me yeah all the best dude take care thank you bye-bye